0: Hey, this is Coco Columbia you're listening to Sounds of PDX this is Travis from the audio sequence I'm Vince I'm um, Boyd this is Josh from Adverse Effects
1: this is Zanny, Rebecca and Katie and we are The, the Cabin, Cabin Project. Project
0: hey this is Logan Lynn and Gino Mari you're listening to Sounds of PDX
1: Sounds of PDX Sounds of PDX on PRP
2: What is up? It's Tuesday evening. Welcome back to Sounds of PDX. I'm your host, Luke Neal, here with Jen Emerson. What is going on this week, Jen?
1: Oh man, some craziness. Can you ever predict the weather by uh, what it's like when you wake up?
2: I uh, text my buddy in Phoenix, Cameron, that it was sunny in 62 in Phoenix, and he just texts back expletives. So I'm feeling good about our Portland weather right now. Uh, We are turning back the clock today, talking about one of my very favorite topics, which is 90s rock and i've got justin lewis from kaya on the mountain with us thanks for joining us man
0: thanks for having me so glad to be here i
2: think the first time we
0: met we spoke
2: about 90s alt rock and all things 90s rock for about good 15 20 minutes and it was at that point i was like you got to come on the show and let's just do this (laughs) Uh, it's long overdue so thanks for joining us tonight
0: of course i've been looking forward to this for so long
2: well, if you are on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, we put it out there. You can listen to us on PRP.FM. If you're in the Portland area listening to us on 99.1 FM, thanks for dialing in. Uh, we are going to go through a robust playlist with basically what is Ben been coined as the Seattle sound. Very proud that it's from the Pacific Northwest. Um, I think one of the bands that encompasses the all-90s sound is Allison Chains. And Justin, you brought in the, the song I wanted to start the show with, which was No Excuses why do you think this one uh, inspired you as a kid or or reflects back to you right now?
0: This song is just a really cool example of what in my opinion made Allison Chains very unique. Like the four big like Seattle bands from the 90s, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Allison chains they all they all kind of they were kind of like umbrellaed under grunge, but they all had very, very unique qualities to them. And this song, like, really Shows the cool harmonies that Lane Staley would do with Jerry Cottrell and some of the really cool rhythms that they would do. I love the drums on this track mm. and Cottrell's guitar solo is it's, oh, its one of my favorites.
2: Yeah, I love Jerry Cantrell. A really great and underrated solo career, if you haven't uh, dug into his solo project. Uh, but yes, tonight we're talking about all things 90s rock, brought to us by the PDX Spotlight playlist. Right now you can see Umbra and in the future we've got pretty gritty adverse effects, arrows in orbit, and we will soon be filming Coco Columbia. Uh, we also have upcoming shows by... Vortex Music Magazine, curated by Jen M., and you can catch her show every Friday from 10 to 11, right here on PRP.fm. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. 10 a.m.
2: 10 a.m., yes. Uh, well, good deal. We're going to start things off tonight. Like I said, we have Allison Chains. No excuses here on Sounds of PDX. And chains, because tonight on Sounds of PEDX, we are talking about alt rock and 90s rock. Uh, Justin Lewis from Kaya on the Mountain is my special guest. And before we dive into the interview, I just want to say congratulations on your all's great set at MoGo. It was fantastic.
0: Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, I was quite surprised. Onion the Man, you guys, Larissa, Wim, just knocked it out of the park. All, all the acts that weekend, I'm sure, were fantastic. It but
1: was such a good show. Oh, yeah, my gosh. I'm
2: really glad I was at White Eagle for that. Um, so, Justin, just to give us some perspective, like Jen and I were saying, we were teens in the 90s, and these are kind of visceral tracks for us. <laughs> so put us in perspective. When were you born?
0: I was born in uh, um, the early part of 1995.
2: Okay, good deal. I was a freshman in high school, so this is wonderful.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
2: um, so, what were some of the first '90s bands or, or Pacific Northwest bands that had that sound that caught your
0: ear? Um, well, when I was when I was growing up, my dad um, was um, he was big into rock, and uh, he would always have on. There's some Seattle rock stations that they um, would always play. Like there was like 99.9 and stuff, and they would always play. Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Mm. Pearl Jam. So I those songs I heard as far back as I can remember, and I've always identified with growing up in Washington, and like I'd always loved it there, and I always had great pride for for where I lived. And then learning about the music scene and all the things, like all the really amazing music that had come out of there, was just an, an enormous. An enormous fascination and an enormous, like, pride thing for me it was, like, wow, these musicians who grew up in the same areas that I did went to the same, like, they probably went to Wild Waves out in, like, <laughs> in Federal Way area, or they've been to, like same restaurants in Seattle that I've been to. It's like those people were there and then they made this amazing music.
2: Where exactly were you raised in Washington?
0: Um, I was raised for the first part of my childhood in an area of Tacoma called Gig Harbor. And mm-hmm. then I moved to Olympia, Washington when I was in middle school.
2: Nice. A lot of great music coming out of Tacoma right now too. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were looking at some of the musicians from, these, uh, from the bands, as a guitarist, who stood out to you? Who were some of your favorite lead players?
0: Um, definitely, um, oh gosh. Uh, Jerry Cantrell was a big one. Um, I'm actually a big fan of the things that Chris Walla of Death Cab for Cutie did, especially on the earlier, on the earlier record, some really unique kind of guitar textures on there. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Pearl Jam's lead lines are always, always amazing to me. They're the stuff that they, the stuff that they put together was always, it was some of the most effective use of wah pedal in guitar playing that I've ever heard, them and uh, Kim Thale of uh, Soundgarden.
2: Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. We actually have a Pearl Jam and Soundgarden block coming up later in the show. Uh, but one of the things I did really dig about the 90s was um, just the layers and layers of texture and guitar tones they were messing with. Uh, the, one of the songs I put on the playlist is "Tripping on a Hole in a Paper Heart by Stone Temple Pilots. Mm. Um, the guitar solo, are you familiar with the, the solo in this bridge?
0: Uh, yes, yes, I am. It's got
2: that. like six different guitar tones. So pay attention to it. It's really cool. There's like a a ton of layers. Are are you an STP fan?
1: I am such an STP fan. I got to see them live when I still lived in Dallas with a buddy of mine and, and totally, you know... Wore the like I'm going to a rock concert clothes because I was serious about it and I had a T-shirt but I didn't want to wear the band's T-shirt to the concert. You don't want
2: to be that guy. It was
1: still kind of nerdy back then. I don't know what the like mores are now. I don't care, <laughs> <laughs> but back then it was important, you know. So it was a great show. Oh, I'm sure. By the way.
2: Yeah, Scott Whalen, bless his soul, one of the best performers from the 90s. Uh, But again, if you're a guitarist or musician or music fan at all, check out the bridge here. There's a bunch of different guitar tones that always catches my ear. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. We've got Justin Lewis from Kaya on the Mountain until 9 p.m. Is 11 here on Sounds of PDX. Alan Johannes has some of the coolest guitar tones through the 90s. Seriously, um, I've played them on the show a lot. Really underrated bands. um, But the diversity on their records and tone is just so captivating. Uh, So, Justin, as a guitarist, are there any type of tones or or, um, guitar uh, feelings, I guess, that you've taken from the 90s or, you know, any type of what I guess would be considered now vintage?
0: Um, yeah, no, I took a lot of inspiration, especially when I was in high school and I first really started listening to Pearl Jam and I really listened to 10. Hmm. And I was, just, I was just listening to the tones that they had on that album and I was just like, how do I do that? How do I, how do I get those sounds? I was like, it was back, I was collecting a lot of guitar pedals and stuff and trying to figure out, like, how do I get that sound? And I just kept, like, kept tweaking them and trying to figure out how to do it because it's just always sounded so... It's, I, like, I remember thinking it's like... It sounds like distortion, but slightly more formal distortion. I didn't. I didn't know how else to describe it. It just had that kind of like interesting quality to it, in the way that uh, Stone Gossard um, just created that texture, along with uh, what's their second guitar player, Mike McCready. Mike McCready. That's right. I get him confused with Jeff Emmett, their bass. Yeah. Jeff Emmett, their bass player. But yeah. Those guys are just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Y- and guys. if
2: you haven't done this, um, folks. You- Put on a Pearl Jam record, and get the um, balance left and right switch on your device, and go hard left and right. And Mike McCready's always on the left-hand side with his mostly lead parts. Stone Gossard's on the right, and you can go back and forth. And what they've done deliberately since day one is not only are they playing specifically different things. The tones are very different. You know, if, if Mike's playing a Stratocaster, Stone will be on his Gold Top Les Paul, or he'll be on a Telly, which would then put, you know, Mike on an SG. So the, they're very deliberate about exactly what you were saying. And it, I think you're talking about, you know, the vintage tone, the formal distortion, like you were talking about. It's so interesting because when alt rock came around, it kind of swept away the, the wave of 80s rock, which mm-hmm. was very bitey, lead. So when they came back, I think they were integrating, you know, 80s metal, vintage blues, and punk. And I think that's where Alternative came from.
0: Yeah, I watched um, a small documentary series about, uh, I think it was like the history of of heavy metal. And they actually visited Seattle and talked to Kim Thayil and... uh, I think they talked to Stone Gossard and they talked to a bunch bunch of those. I think they talked to King Buzzo from the Melvins too. Yeah. And they were just asking them about it and they're like, Yeah, we were just trying to get away from like like glam metal and they like they saw that and they're like and they're like, How can we it's like how can we be how can we use our like technical proficiency with a, they they wanted to use their technical proficiency with a punk attitude. Yeah. That's what they wanted. And that's that to me is like one of the best descriptors of, like, grunge music was just, like, they had technical proficiency with punk attitudes.
2: There were some records beforehand, before the big wave, you know, like uh, Neil Young's uh, Weld. Um, you know, he's called the grandfather of grunge, and I, or the godfather of grunge. I definitely think that. You know, Soundgarden was ahead of the curve. There was a lot of really oh, great yeah. band. Fugazi was another one Fugazi. that was doing Her, exactly that.
0: Early Mudhoney records, like Super Fuzz, Big Muff, 88. Yep. That album is... Uh, That's one of my
1: favorites. Can we just go back for a second to Neil Young being the grandfather of grunge?
2: Yeah, the godfather of grunge. There's a couple records he put out with Crazy Horse called um, Weld, and I can't recall the other one right now. But yeah, they are straight up late 80s, early 90s grunge records. Yeah, Um, They're really interesting to listen to. It's by far the heaviest stuff he's ever done. Um, Around the time he's doing Rockin' in the Free World, there's a track called "Effin' Up. There's like, I mean, the Crazy Horse, they sound like Led Zeppelin on the record. They're really fantastic. I should have brought some in as an example, but I did not. Uh, Next time. One of the things I dig about um, the alt scene as well is it was very anti-establishment, we're going to talk more about that, but I I got a quote from Tom York, and he said, Karma's important. The idea of something that karmically exists makes him happy. He said, Karma Police, which is the next song on the PDX Spotlight playlist, so Karma Police is dedicated to everyone who works for a big firm. It's a song against bosses. Huh. Uh, so I really dig it. If you haven't seen this, this is one of my favorite uh, videos from the 90s. Uh, speaking of the 90s, that's when they played music on television yeah. and more than just singles on the radio.
1: That's how I found out about new music because our radio stations in Oklahoma were not all that um, eclectic, uh, we'll say. And um, so cassette singles, hmm and MTV, if I could talk my grandparents, and because they were the only ones with the cable, would go up to there and put on the MTV and just hope that there's nobody shaking their booty, because that's <laughs> going to make Papa say no way.
2: <laughs> there are no booties in this video. Uh, this is Karma Police from OK Computer, which, oddly enough, was released 20 years ago today. Really? Uh, yeah. Radiohead here on Sounds at like PDX. More with Justin Lewis after this. listening to Portland Radio Project 99.1 FM, KSFL, LP Portland, and PRP.FM. That was Uncle Tupelo, a selection brought in to me by Justin Lewis, my special guest tonight. He's the lead guitarist for Kaya on the Mountain and has immaculate taste in music. Thanks for bringing that in, man.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, talk to me a little
2: about uh, Uncle Tupelo. You were talking to me um, during the break about the project, but specifically, tell us about when you heard that song live, given by request. That was a great story.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I saw uh, Jeff tweet solo project, um, Tweedy. they came to the Crystal Ballroom a few years ago, and uh, he did three separate acts. He did one act with the full band as doing Tweedy's music, and then he did a solo by himself, kind of second act, and then he did, um, he brought the whole band back out and just did covers the whole time. It was really, really cool. And during his solo set, he was taking requests of like Uncle Tuplo and um and Wilco tunes, and this was this was one of the ones that I didn't know. Someone someone in the back shouted out, "Play Gun," and so he he was he was almost kind of surprised at the request. Like it was kind of like a out it was kind of an out there request for him, but he played it. And I was like looking for it in Wilco's discography, and then I was like, "Oh no, this is like way older. This mm. is his first band with Jay Farrar back in I think this album came out in 1992 or 91." Really old stuff. They started in the late '80s and went into, I think mid '90s when they broke up.
2: Speaking of bands that broke up, the next song on our playlist is Oasis. They're like one of the most <laughs> tumultuous bands of all time.
0: Oh, so fun to read about. Yeah,
2: for real. I mean, I remember just thinking of like the ridiculousness when they had the MTV unplugged, and uh, was it Noel?
0: No, or Liam. Liam refused, yeah, and sat Noel. Out. Noel just went went and did it. He's like. All right, man, I wrote the songs anyway.
2: And Liam's up in the balcony, like, halfway through the set, totally obliterated, (laughs) teasing him. Yeah, just so mad. Are you an Oasis fan, Jen?
1: Oh, man. Okay, so this is the therapy part we were talking about. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, my uh, close friend in in high school that, um, uh, I didn't know I was gay back then, guys, like, for real. It was kind of a surprise to me when I was 20. (laughs) Like, oh, oh, this is what people have been singing about the whole time. Oh, I, I kind of get it now. And, and like the Martina McBride song, uh, this kiss, this kiss went through my head, kind of, you know, anyways. But I digress. <laughs> so Oasis was really big about the time I was hanging out with her. So every single song, you know, I would listen to it. I would uh, put the CD in and lay in the sunroom and just listen to music. And, you know, oh, she's so great. And, you know, isn't it great to have friends? and Yeah, it is great to have friends.
2: moral of the story the moral
1: of the story is you know you will constantly surprise yourself in this life
2: I like that change is the only consistent thing my mother likes to say Um, Justin, so this track from Oasis has this cool throwback vibe with a new 90s sound, so how do you think bands like this incorporate it into a new wave of music while bringing vintage uh, stylings back to the ears
0: um, well, Oasis specifically, they were very, they were very big on the Beatles. It's a, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty. When you learn that, it's very apparent in their, in their music. And they had kind of just, they, they had this mindset of just like we're just gonna play rock and roll. That's all we're, that's what we're gonna do. They were just straight. They were, they were done with with like the kind of 80 with like Britain in the 80s with like very kind of like synth pop kind of thing they were, they were very done with that and they were just like all right we're just going to play rock and roll we're going to turn turn our amplifiers up loud and we're just going to we're going to write some songs we're going to listen to we're going to listen to old records and i think that was that that approach was the was big into that they were just they were just um, they wanted to bring back the rock star that was one thing that they that they were really big about
2: they had too many rock stars in that band was <laughs> too their ma- demise. <laughs> too many rocks.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, that'll do it. That'll do it. Famous, famously exploding on many public
2: <laughs> tabloids. <laughs> yeah, tabloids
0: and forums and... TV TV appearances for all of it, for all of it, and we still love them.
2: Yeah, we do. This is a, a really great song. Big epic Oasis track, followed by one of my uh, favorite 90s females, Tracy Bonham with Mother Mother. Stick around. You're listening to the Sounds of PDX until 9pm here on PRP. <laughs>
0: I love you.
2: That is Tracy Bonham here on Sounds of PDX. I had to so rudely interrupt uh, Justin. We were talking about Weird Al and a couple <laughs> nice stories. I'm going to have you continue that. Uh, Tracy Bonham, were you familiar with, with her music before?
0: Only a, only a little bit, actually. Only, not, not that particular track. So that was a really fun really fun discovery for me, but a little bit.
2: That was a another really great video. I have so many great video memories with all these songs. Uh, again, because of the time. We're talking about 90s rock here. I've got Justin Lewis from Kaya on the Mountain. Um, this next block of, of music is Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, and I Uh, Would fight tooth and nail that I think Pearl Jam is the best band from that era. Some may say Nirvana, um, but Pearl Jam's catalog is huge. For obvious reasons, they've been together longer, but still, even with the bands that didn't have deaths at the time, they're still the only ones out there. In 2005, they were uh, rated the best American rock band by a nationwide USA Today poll. Um, I just don't think people knew their story as uh, you know. I, I really dug into them and knew the whole PJ20 story. So figuring out how they came together and just the the way the the stars aligned for that band to come together and they're still out there doing great things. I mean they've had drummer lineup changes, but what great band hasn't? Um, so I want to talk about them specifically: Pearl Jam and, and Soundgarden. What do those bands mean to you? Because you have mentioned Stone Gossard a couple times tonight and. Again, I think they're one of the standouts for the 90s.
0: Yeah, yeah, they were just one of those they were one of those bands that took that um they took that punk, they took the punk ethic like I was talking about earlier, the punk ethic with the technical proficiency and just amazing energy. Like I remember the the we were talking about videos, the video for Even Flow? Yeah. That video, that's so crazy. And, like, their live performances from the time are just, like, ridiculous. They were so amazing, and Eddie Vedder's climbing on all of the scaffolding or the <laughs> balconies of wherever they're playing and jumping onto the crowd, and they just they have an amazing live energy, like, really, really impactful on me when I was, like, just starting out as a musician and, like, understanding what it means to, like, give a really captivating performance. I just saw that kind of stuff. And with Soundgarden especially, um, the um I would say Chris Cornell is one of the best rock vocalists that has ever that has ever been out there. My buddy if my buddy Ben Irwin is listening and he would be very happy with me for saying that. He's a big <laughs> Chris Cornell fan.
2: Yeah, me too. He's he's on the list twice tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he represented the nineties.
0: Yeah, and he, he just he he had so many side projects that he did with other people, which was really cool. I love the like the the grunge supergroups that happened, like Temple of the Dog, and uh, I you you can kind of count you can count Audio Slave as, yeah. like, they're a grunge supergroup. It sure. and um um was the one with Lane Staley and um, Mike McCready.
2: Oh um oh my gosh. Mad Season.
0: Mad Season. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one of the lesser known ones but one of my real favorites. Yeah. But especially Chris Cornell, his struck me about him from the very beginning is the the dynamics of his vocal range, how low he can go and how high like that Temple of the Dog song Hunger Strike where he starts out really low and then he's singing the incredibly high parts behind Eddie Vedder and all the choruses and just like, he's just like shouts and he can still do that to this day. But, yeah. And that's amazing just amazing vocals i'm
2: surprised cornell's uh, voice isn't trashed i mean he just he figured it out he's effortless live you know everyone has good and bad performances but anytime i've seen him live he's just stellar uh and one of the stories i wanted to tell about better man before we um play it which was a pick from justin is uh i i was able to see eddie vedder uh, do his ukulele tour a few years back and he talked about one time he was at school at San Diego and he was driving to see a friend in Tempe, Arizona, which is where the concert was at the time. And he said he broke down in, uh, oh man, I forget the, the name of the city in Arizona, but he, uh, Gila Bend. Uh, so he broke down there and was, had to stay with like the auto shop mechanics family for like three days. So he could get, get enough money and then they could get the car repaired and go. Anyways, he wrote Better Man while he was stuck in Arizona trying to get to his friend for this college party. Um, It's just one of those songs that I think is, is timeless, and he had it in a bunch of other bands, and when he released it on the record, they were mad he didn't share it until then. So this is Pearl Jam here on Sounds of PDX. Garden from Super Unknown. That's the opening track from that record that came out in 1994. Uh, both of those songs, Better Man and um, Let Me Drowned, were produced by Brendan O'Brien, who's one of my favorite producers and usually becomes like an extra member of the bands he works with. Um, who are some of the... Uh, we're talking to Justin Lewis from Kai on the Mountain. Who are some of the bands that you like the production on their recordings for from the
0: 90s? Um, I'm a big fan of... Uh... Especially with um, early and mid-R.E.M. records when Scott Litt, Scott Litt was their producer. He did some really, really cool, really, really cool work. Um, uh, uh, Steve Albini.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: He he has produced some killer records. And then um, Jack and Dino. Jack and Dino, one of the early sub-pop guys. Yeah. Oh, man. His his discography is just some of the coolest coolest records yeah
2: great production coming out of the 90s uh we right now want to thank a partner of the show vortex music magazine we're going to give them a shout out and then we've got upcoming shows by vortex music magazine curated by Jen m Support comes from listeners like you and from Vortex Music Magazine, helping the Portland music scene tell its own story, both in print and online. You can find free issues of Vortex in stores or read about the local music scene online at vrtxmag.com. It is that time of the week. We've got shows that you should check out. Jen M, take it away.
1: I will gladly take it away. So tomorrow night there are a couple of picks for you, Woman Crush Wednesday, which is host is it hosted weekly on Wednesday by Ashley? X.
2: It's yeah. a monthly it's
1: showcase. It's a monthly showcase. So the showcase is coming up for um, it's a Women's Month, Women's History Month. Yep. In March, so this is a perfect time to go out and support all of our uh, wonderful uh, female musicians in Portland. It's going to have Haley Johnson on that show and two or three other. Um, musicians as well, but Ashley Extina will actually be performing at this uh, particular show, and she was just on the show with you, Luke.
2: Yeah, a couple weeks ago. It was, it was really good having her on. We were able to debut her new single, Gone. If you haven't heard it, check it out. I'll be putting up the link tomorrow with her podcast.
1: And that's a Wednesday at Jade Lounge, Woman Crush Wednesday, at 7pm. Then speaking also of people who have just been on Sounds of PDX Ari- Arietta Ward. Our Ms. Etta is going to also be performing Wednesday night. She'll be with Pig War at the Goodfoot Lounge at 10 p.m. And then a band I've just kind of become acquainted with, Boy Toy. Fun name, fun videos. You should check them out on YouTube. They're playing Thursday at The No at 8 p.m. And a band I really like out of Washington State, Chastity Belt, is playing with a band called Cane Strang at 8 p.m. Friday at one of my favorite venues, Mississippi Studios. Then on Sunday at 9 p.m., The Sheevas, which is a local kind of classic rock and roll, surfer rock band. They'll be playing with The Tamed West, which was one of Nastasia's concert picks from last week's uh, PRP newsletter and on our website. And they're also playing with Death Valley Girls. And that's Sunday, 9 p.m. at the liquor store. Uh, Maggie Rogers, who was just on Fresh Spin with Jen M. She's so I played, good. Oh, totally. I played the track On Plus Off on uh, Fresh Spins last Friday. She will be at the Doug Fur for an intimate show at 9 p.m. on Monday. And then, of course, we want to announce the Blitz and Trapper show at Portland Center Stage at the Armory. They're one of our big supporters. We're so grateful for them. That show is running through April 30th.
2: Thank you so much, Jen, and thanks to Vortex Music Magazine for hooking us up with the great information. If you're a band or a fan, go to Vortex. You can either submit your shows that are coming up or look for the shows that you'd like to hear. Uh, I'm going to keep it rolling here with the Woman Crush theme. Uh, it's one of the definitive artists for me from the 90s. This is Alanis Morissette right through you here on Sounds of PDX. We are talking about 90s rock here on Sounds of PDX All Night with Justin Lewis. I'm your host, Luke Neal, with Jen M. She is my co-host. I think it was important that you brought in a song like this, Justin, uh, Man on the Moon by R.E.M., because there's a lot of, you know, I think 90s rock is known for its robust sound and kind of aggression, but there's a lot of really great tender bands and tracks that are included in that.
0: Oh, yeah. And especially for R.E.M. in this era of them, it was very kind of a... they, they 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 kind of cooled down with Out of Time in '91, and then this one, they really kind of, they, I mean, with Night Swimming on this on this album, just just Mike Mills playing piano with Michael singing, and then, do you know who actually did the string arrangements for this album? No, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin oh arranged my gosh. all, the, co- arranged and composed all the strings for Automatic for the People.
2: That's rad. Who are some of your favorite, I guess, soft rock? Bands from the '90s. Let's go around the room. Jen, are there any, like, uh, what would we say, more adult contemporary '90s uh, bands that you enjoyed?
1: No, I I mostly listen to the stuff you're playing now. Honestly, I perfect. I hung out with a a 19-year-old boy from uh, an adjacent country school, and then the aforementioned girl, and they listened to some harder stuff than I did. But this was like the Venn diagram overlap. Ah, nice. So.
2: <laughs> One of those bands that I wasn't familiar with, Justin, was uh, Bell and Sebastian, and they've got a cool, sonically layered, vintage throwback soft sound. Tell me about this band and educate our listeners.
0: Oh yeah, Bell and Sebastian—they're um, a band from Glasgow, Scotland. Um, started started with the the front man. Um, he was uh, he was very ill for a long time. He was kind of like bedridden and very weak for a long time. But then he kind of like came, he came out of it and like and started writing music after that. He found like music was the one thing that he could still do when he was when he was sick. And so he started writing songs and he started to coerce his roommates and friends who <laughs> he knew could kind of play music or he knew he could talk into playing music to start this band and, and um, he just like c- kind of gathered more and more people. The, the band at the time I think was like six or seven people when they recorded their debut. And uh, the interesting thing about their debut album is um, it was a it was a class project for the university in Glasgow, like um, for I think there was a recording class there. It was a class project for them to do this record, and they recorded it in three days and mixed it and mastered it in two days.: So mind-blowing. Five days total for this album, and they were they were um, and it was picked up by a um, by a local label Jeepster Records. Uh, local Scotland uh, label who put out, I think their first couple of first couple of albums, this, this first, the first album, tiger milk, which the track that I selected is from. And then their second album, if you're feeling sinister, they're kind of like people compare them like rubber soul revolver, Okay. Kind of way, like they were. They're both very similar. Were recorded around the same time. That that with the second album that Bell and Sebastian did, they also did it, and like they did it a month after their first album, and did it again. Like recorded three days, mixed, mastered two or three days, and it was it was out again. That's so and impressive. They, just, they were just they were all about like we got songs, we've got good musicians. Let's just go in and. Let's do these. No reason, to, no reason to not do them.
2: Especially in the day and age where it wasn't really independent music. I mean, it's not like you could self-publish. Yeah. So they were putting out stuff fast. That's incredible. Yeah. I love that story. Well, thank you for bringing this in, man. This is The State I'm In by Bill and Sebastian. Stick around. Justin Lewis is with us. I'm Luke Neal, and Jen Emerson is on board. Tonight as co-host, stick around.
0: I was surprised. I was happy for a day in 1975.
2: You just enjoyed Thursday by Morphine here on Sounds of PDX. They are a 90s band that I totally, totally dig. And their uh, documentary, Journey of Dreams, was released in 2014 and actually debuted here in Portland. Check them out if you haven't heard them before. I'm with Jen Emerson tonight, and our special guest is Justin Lewis from Kaya on the Mountain. We've had a killer playlist with a bunch of great bands from the 90s, and we're going to move on here. Um, Some of the questions I wanted to ask you, we haven't talked about live... Performances, Justin. Have you seen any of these uh, of your favorite '90s bands live?
0: Hmm. Try to think about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> festivals, or the reason I bring it up is I think they kind of set a standard. There was a lot of uh, stage production at the end of the '80s, and then when these cats came out, they were just known for having great live shows and almost no production. You know, you talked about the Pearl Jam videos earlier in the show, and they were so. Uh, intent on it being raw that they that's not the audio from the 10 record, it's the actual audio from the performance and yeah. all the Pearl Jam videos. Uh, but I think the live uh, presentation of this music is extremely important.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. In the 90s especially it was kind of, in the 80s you had a little bit of it too. I heard a lot of stories about kind of the DIY scenes happening and just an emphasis on playing on playing good shows and in the 90s, you started to see a little bit more of those, that that same kind of ethic of the DIY show being brought into more, into, like, bigger scenes, bigger bigger spotlight. Like, I love watching, um, uh, REM, I have a bunch of REM DVDs of live performances. I have, like, a couple from, like, 84 when they were playing, like, small theaters and, like, college gymnasiums. And then I have one from 88 on their Green World tour where they're, like, pl- packed the, the big arena in Atlanta for like three nights and they, and they did that. But it's this, they're, they have some of the similar elements of their live performances are there. It's still very much the same band. And even though they've reached this national, this national level, they had this kind of, they, they never forgot the what they learned from those, from the earlier scenes and from the early, the early gigs.
2: Jen, how about you? Any 90s bands, shows that stand out to you?
1: Foo Fighters. Okay. When they came with Red Hot Chili Peppers, and we bought the tickets to see Red Hot Chili Peppers, but at this particular performance, for whatever reason, Foo Fighters just brought it harder, and that was kind of how I was introduced to them. And I saw Anita Franco, like we were talking about, on the break, um, and that was super killer as well. It was kind of hard to catch... uh, uh, great shows in Oklahoma. There weren't as many bands coming through there as there was Dallas, and it was a while before I was allowed to drive that far. You
2: know, <laughs> <laughs> A lot of really good bands um, from the 90s. Uh, especially the late 90s, there was a blossoming in Canada and the Toronto area, bands like Finger Eleven, Big Wreck, and uh, Our Lady Peace. Uh, This is an Our Lady Peace track from a record called Happiness is a Fish You Can't Catch, and it is definitely like a New Age protest song. It's three minutes, 18 seconds long, and I think it sounds perfectly late 90s. Uh, This is One Man Army from Our Lady Peace here on Sounds of PDX. Across the Sea by Weezer. That's a selection brought in to us by Justin Lewis from Kaya on the Mountain. I don't know if you know this, Justin, but this song is about a Japanese fan who wrote to Rivers Cuomo after hearing Weezer on the radio for the first time. And uh, she now knows that the song is about her. They've reached out, and uh, it's pretty cool. You never, ever know. Uh, so Weezer, one of the quintessential 90s bands. I think the video for Buddy Holly was, like, preloaded on... Windows in the in the 90s. I remember my wife talking about like <laughs> it's the first video I saw because it came on our our Windows computer. Uh, but during the break, Jen, you brought up a couple things that you wanted to talk about. We were talking about uh, some of the softer tunes from the 90s.
1: Yeah, and I was just thinking uh, and and letting and telling you about how I found that kind of music was often through soundtracks. I would hear some music I really enjoyed, like I was telling you about Tracy Bonham's track "Freed" at the end of. Um, the Long Kiss Goodnight, one of the best movies. Gina Davis, Samuel L. Jackson. It's awesome. Um, and how uh, like Cruel Intentions was one of those. Like that's how I discovered Blur. And I think uh, oh, I can't think of the band name now because I'm on the spot. But another really big one that was influential to me that I could then introduce my buddy Jerry to. So I really like the sharing aspect of music and kind of the unpredictability of buying a whole C D and not knowing all the bands and Yeah. It was an awesome era.
2: Um what was the other great soundtrack that introduced um from the nineties? I was just on the on the tip of my brain. But there was is I mean the, the one sales. with Winona
1: Rider. Yeah. Well,
0: what single soundtrack was what year was Goodwill Hunting? Was that the nineties? Yeah it was. That had that was uh Elliot Smith. Yep. Elliot Smith, his big his big break was kind of writing, broke him. Yeah, right. Was I think he did? He win an Oscar or Grammy for Miss Misery, I think. Off of
2: I think he was that? nominated for a Grammy.
0: Yeah, he performed at some big thing, and it was, it was kind of like people were, like, whoa, who is this guy?
2: <laughs> um, I remember. Oh, geez, there was another great movie. Chris Cornell's on the soundtrack. Um, Tori Amos, Scott Wayland, Duncan Cheek, uh, a bunch of really good. I'll have to remember the. Ethan Hawke and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow were in the film. But it's a soundtrack for Great Expectations, is great what it expectations. is. Really, really killer. And one cool thing about a lot of bands at the time, we talked about it earlier a little bit, is they're phenomenal live. Um, and Lollapalooza, I think that was brought about in 1991 by um, Perry Farrell from, geez, whatever, um, Most uh, Jane's Addiction, most yeah. know. Yeah. Um, But he brought about this movement where he was bringing together all of the heavy hitters from the time. And also he had his finger on the pulse of these underground bands. And they created this festival that, you know, still, and it's obviously now back in Chicago and and been strong for the last five or six years. But I've always thought Kai on the Mountain would be a phenomenal festival band like
1: yeah. you have
2: that energy you've got that vibe uh, so talk to me about maybe your thoughts on how 90s influence uh, or 90s music influenced festivals
0: um, yeah I think you touched on it really good with um, kind of the way of bringing a lot of bringing a lot of underground bands into the spotlight and kind of giving giving some smaller bands um, more exposure through, through, big, fe- through big festivals um,
1: like Lollapalooza yeah
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a huge one.
2: Tibetan Freedom Concert mm-hmm. um, they had that were big, and then Glatzenberry and everything else in Europe is really huge. Um, one of the bands that just blows me away live is the Flaming Lips. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, one of the selections you brought in. Race for the Prize. Now, this is um, Mokaran mix. Is that how you say that?
0: I think so, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, this is really interesting. Huge, huge sound. Tell me about this song.
0: Um, this song was actually introduced to me by uh, the drummer in my band, Liam. I was over at his house, and he was really vibing on uh, the Soft Bulletin at the time. And he's like, dude, you have to listen to this song. It'll change your life. And he, he played for me this song. We were like in, in his kitchen just like getting a snack. We were just hanging out. And he, he played for me this song on his dad's computer. And I was like, this song is so cool. The thing that struck me about it was the way the drums are. They just sound so... This, they're like kind of an animalistic way to them, like yeah, this kind of like psychedelic kind of psychedelic pop kind of sound, but then just these drums that just they just don't quit they pretty trying the whole through the whole track, and the constantly hitting of the ride cymbal and just going with the snare, oh
2: yeah it feels it feels like a festival every time you hear the flaming lips so let's dedicate this one to liam yeah this goes out to liam walker from kai on the mountain thanks for introducing justin to this here's flaming lips here on the sounds of pdx Timeless-sounding song. This is Mazzy Star here on Sounds of PDX. We've been listening to a bunch of 90s bands and uh, tunes. That was Justin Lewis's pick. Uh, what a somber, beautiful song. Mm-hmm. It's been used in a ton of stuff. When's the first time you heard that, do you recall?
0: Um, I think it's one of those songs that I had... When I really paid attention to it the first time, I was like, I've heard this song a million times. But then I actually, I actually started paying attention to it um, a few years ago. Um, especially when I was getting into... I really like uh, modern dream pop music, the kind of, like, soft, ambient guitar music. And music like this, especially, is kind of like this and the cranberries, I think, is very much kind of, like, precursor to that kind of thing. If you Mm. listen to the song and you listen to, like, Linger, you can hear hear Beach House in there, and you can hear, like, Real Estate in there, and you can hear... um, Wild, nothing in there. You can hear those like modern bands. You can see what they were listening to when they were kids. It was yeah. it was these bands and with that kind of soft vibe, slide guitar.
1: Totally, yeah, I get that completely.
2: Yeah, and the next artist on the playlist capitalized on all those things. Jeff Buckley capitalized on a lot of stuff, but he he was dreamy and ambient in a, a lot of his tunes. Um, I like his, you know, his song. Um, so real, which is on the playlist next. But Grace also had this vibe. Uh, last goodbye. Um, have you spent much time with Jeff Buckley's LP? I
0: have. Yeah, Grace is Grace is an amazing album. Like uh, Corpus Christi Carol, and uh, what was the one? What was the, one of the ones you just mentioned? A uh, last goodbye. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that song is one of my favorite songs. Just the
1: Vanilla so. Sky soundtrack. Have you seen Vanilla Sky?
0: A long time ago, but yeah.
1: Yeah, that's how I found out about Jeff Buckley, actually. <laughs>
2: yeah, they got Sigarose Rose on that, Bob Dylan, really great soundtrack. And, you know, Jeff is just one of those artists that it, it's such a shame. I mean, he put out one record and died while they were working on the second. And for me, he's just the quintessential... Um, like 90s indie meets rock sound there was so much uh work that he had left on the planet to do so i gotta play so real by jeff buckley tonight and also after that um pushing forward back by temple the dog justin and i are going to dig into that band and kind of their uh lineage and where it led other folks through the 90s so here it is one of my favorite vocalists of all time this is jeff buckley so real here on sounds of pdx does not get better than that. That was the uh, record that was put together by Chris Cornell and Kim Thale uh, to pay tribute to Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone and was basically the catalyst and pinwheel for all great things that spun out of uh, the 90s. I know you've got a deep love for Temple the Dog, Justin, so talk to me about uh, some of your thoughts on them.
0: Um, yeah, they're just, um, just an amazing an amazing project very heartfelt very heartfelt to know the story of like Andrew Wood and Chris Cornell were like best friends they were roommates and when he died um, in 90 I think it was 90 Mm -hmm. 90 of the heroin overdose Chris was just kind of broken up about it and he wrote uh, say hello to heaven I think that was the first song he wrote about it and I read an interview with him recently where he said that was the first song he wrote that was about somebody he was like writing songs like from this perspective like an outsider and, like, making people up in songs, making up, like, characters and people. But that, he said that was one of the first songs he ever wrote that was about a real person. Wow. And it was, like, all a part of the healing process for him, and it was it was just an incredible, like, experience in a way of of grieving.
2: And the sonic quality of that record is just so good. Oh, yeah. Every guitar part, um, Jeff's bass really stands out, and then Matt Cameron's kick and snare is quintessential Matt Cameron. it's just one of those projects that a lot of people didn't get hip to because by the time like hunger strike, the big single from that record came out, everything else was blowing up. So it took a while for people to go back and, and check that out. Um, you know, it's, it's the honesty of that record that I also see in a lot of great artists and uh, of Kai on the mountain, you know, you guys have that, you've got this honest intention about your tunes and you're moving forward, trying to deliver something that's genuine. And you do every time I see you. So my hat's off to you, and I think that spirit that we all dig about 90s music runs through all great artists, and, and you all have that. So if you're not familiar with Kaya on the Mountain, and this is your first time hearing about them, check them out. We're going to put their information on the talk board. And uh, Justin, give us a little uh, shout-out about what Kaya is going to be doing here, you guys as a group, over the next year, and uh, where can fans see you coming up?
0: Um, yeah, we are um, a big plan over the summer is we're going to begin work on our first full-length that's a, um, that's a big, big project we're going to start working on starting in, uh, starting in May. We've got some recording sessions lined up and we've been, we've got a ton of songs. We've been work ton of new songs we've been working on. Kaya just brings songs all the time to practice and new songs, new songs, and just more and more exciting things that we're like really, 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 really happy with and new sounds we're trying out and just more and more progression that's been feeling really good. Um... We I believe our next gig will be the twenty first of April. Um we'll be at the TARDIS room in northeast or North Portland, I believe. It's kinda okay. kinda of, kind of far out there. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I've been um I'm about to graduate from uh my undergrad um, at college and so this next these next two months are gonna be very, 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 very busy. So that's why we're kind of we you have, have been, finals
2: and a record to record. Yeah, finals
0: and records <laughs> and yeah, too, so much, so much thesis papers to write and recital music recitals to prepare for. So, taking some time to focus on uh, writing and working on new songs and we'll we'll amp the gigging up quite a bit when yeah. summer rolls around and we'll be coming to coming to a uh, to a rock and roll house near you. Before we
2: close out the night, Jen, any parting words on this amazing topic of 90s music and our little memory lane dance?
1: Oh, just what a beautiful time it was. There was so much great music and so many different 90s, and I've really enjoyed this little trip down memory lane.
0: Any shout outs,
2: Justin, before we let you go off into the evening?
0: Um, I'd like to shout out to, uh, to my mom. She, uh, she might be listening. She's in New York City right now. She just ran the New York City Half Marathon.
2: Congratulations. Over the weekend.
0: Really proud of her. Um, shout outs to, uh, to any of my other fellow bandmates, fellow bandmates out there, and just uh, all the people who love 90s music as much as we do.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and I wanted to close out the show with the quintessential 90s tune. Uh, The best story I heard about it is uh, when Rick Rubin was producing Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers, they tracked this song in Harry Houdini's old house in L.A., and uh, Rubin was going through some of Anthony Kiedis' diaries, and he saw the lyrics for Under the Bridge, and uh, he took it to him immediately. He's like, why are we not doing anything with this? And he was afraid that the band would make fun of him. So Rick pushed Anthony into the practice room where the other three guys were chilling. He started reading the lyrics, and everyone picked up their instruments and wrote this song, and they pretty much tracked it in two days flat after he presented it to the band. Uh Uh, Really, really great, heartfelt song. This is Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Thanks for joining us. Treat each other well, and we will see you around.